Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. And with me today, as always on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, double header on the weekend. Two games in my time zone. It's hey, almost Christmas. How about that? Two one o'clock tips in, in OKC. Uh, one of them went as planned. And uh, the other one, uh, not so much. Not so much. But uh, still lots of really good stuff to talk about from that game. Holy smokes. Uh, we'll touch on that stuff uh, shortly. I did want to get some of your opinions on the Hamadou Diallo for Svi Mikhailuk's trade. Um, I've got some quotes from Mark Degnault. I've got some quotes from Hami. I've got some quotes from SGA. And I've got, most most important, I've got a quote from my guy, James Edwards, who covers the Pistons for mm-hmm. The Athletic. And so I hit him up yesterday just to see his thoughts on Svi and what... He can and can't do, and so I thought that I would uh, share those with the listeners. But let's first get uh, your thoughts on the Hami's first fee trade. Oh wow, on me first. Thank you. Um, uh, to me, it's if you look at the return um, and and you look at the development of Hami and where it was picked and blah blah, you basically get back the pick that you that you spend on him. And you get another player that most likely uh, will be in the rotations for OKC, uh, I guess. Um, you have an offense where a shooter may fit very well. Uh, Mikhailuk is a player that since college was basically a uh, shoot-first guard um, with a good motion, good touch. He's not shooting particularly well, but he had, I think he had a couple of 40-plus percent uh, years or at least his motion and his uh, volumes. I mean, he's a shooter. I mean... Um, yeah, he's a shooter. So maybe if you can get anything out of three, then the trade look a little bit better. If it's just, yeah, we'll keep him at the end of, uh, until the end of the season, then I don't know. Um, probably something that you do because, A, you don't have space or time uh, to develop Hami as he wants to. B, you have to pay him. C, um since I would say week two or week three, maybe week three of the season, he's actually helping you winning, which is something that is not the top priority for OKC. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a few realities with this trade. And we I talked about this some uh, the night of the trade is that one, Hamadou Diallo has been good <laughs> for the Thunder. Like super good and very helpful in a lot of ways as a got to handle the ball off the bench as a he's become a better passer a better decision maker he's a very disruptive defender which you take him off the team you're one less disruptive defender there now like he's mm-hmm. i think that he helps in that regard 
and he's about to get paid. And honestly, the Thunder, if they wanted to keep him, could have paid him very easily and could have even overpaid him if they mm-hmm. wanted to, just because of the way that their cap is situated. Uh, they're not paying anybody for a while. And even if they do, yeah. they're going to pay Shea. You give him a max deal, Like there's still a chance that you're uh, under the floor for the salary cap. So yes, there's not like big ramifications to paying Hamadou Diallo, but continuing to develop him, uh, there might be some ramifications for that. And and maybe it doesn't matter, just like from what we saw from the team yesterday, that who cares who you throw out there? You've <laughs> got Shea and Poku. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter yeah. at all. Uh, but uh, Mark Dagnall talked about this after the game. So in talking about Hami, he said he's a developmental win for us. It's hard for a player who's picked in the 40s or late in the second round to stick in the NBA. Never mind become a rotation player. Never mind become the type of player that Hami is. So that we're happy for him and certainly love him as a guy and respect the heck out of him as a professional and as a man, which I thought was great. And then Hamadou Diallo basically put out a press release himself uh, thanking the Thunder for taking him in the draft. He um, thanked Sam Presti for believing in him from day one. Uh, Thanked Mark Degnault for... And it's funny, like I don't know if everybody remembers, Mark Degnault was... uh, the G League coach and the coach for the summer league team, uh, yep. Hami's rookie season, and so he's known Mark for forever. And so he thanked him, he thanked his teammates, uh, and then he thanked the fans of Oklahoma. So uh, if you haven't seen that, that's on his Twitter page. Uh, and then you get to the most interesting quote of anybody. Like Mark's obviously going to gush about him, but then you get to Shay which is the most interesting because Shea played with Hami not only here in OKC, but he played with him at Kentucky. And so these guys have been tied together for a long time. And so this is what Shea said uh, when asked about the trade. He said, it's tough. Obviously, me and Hami are super close. He's like a brother to me. We went to school together and then obviously spent a year and a half playing in the NBA together. It sucks. A guy that's super close and I love playing around and love being around. And then he said, but it is what it is. It's the NBA. It's a business. The front office, it's not my job. It's their job. They make decisions like that, and they feel like it's best for the team and for Hami. It's my job to go play basketball. Um, thoughts on any and all of that? Well, I mean, it's all reasonable. Um, and it's all good. And 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 in like, Shay seems like a guy who lost... A friend, uh, which I mean, if you work with a friend and he he's moved in another company, uh, your reaction should be, um, it's great for him if it's a good situation, which seems to be for Hami because he will have playtime probably and yeah. also a possibility to shine in a team that is rebuilding and so has time uh, for a guy like that and maybe wants to pay a guy like that. Yeah. Um, I don't read too much. I mean, if you if you if you want to leave a team just because your friend um, is going away, or uh, you do uh, a cat like thing where I'm staying just if you uh, give me a friend to play with, then sure. I'm not. I I I really don't think that Shay meant that. I, I really think that he want to show Hami support publicly, um, and also the front office support because. This is what a player should do, like concern about what is your duty and and feel free to to let your emotion out, emotions out, because I think that that was what Shay did. So 
I mean, it's it's good that inside the team there is this brotherhood, uh, and 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 players go above and beyond for for each other's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just it's part of the harsh realities of the NBA. You do hate mm-hmm. to see a good friend of your star player get traded. It's it's a it's a little similar to early on when Jeff Green was traded, and that was one of Kevin's guys. And mm-hmm. it's you can't like if Jeff Green stayed the entirety. I mean, Kevin likely still leaves OKC. So yeah. You can't say like, oh, if they would have just kept Jeff Green, things would have been, you know. So no. it's 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 tough. It's just, it is a part of the business. And Shea seems to understand that. And also, like Shea's the man, too. It's not like he the only thing keeping him happy here in OKC was Hamadou Diallo. Uh, he enjoys being the man, and he is blossoming in front of our eyes. I mean, if I would have made the proclamation that, hey, listen up, pretty much everybody's going to think Shea is better than John Morant halfway through this season. Uh, I would have probably been laughed at. <laughs> I don't I don't know that it would have uh, settled well. Um, but... I don't know, man. I'm I'm impressed with Shea. I'm impressed with his poise. Um, and I'm excited to see what else is to come for Shea. But uh, in regards to this trade, I, I think it does. It certainly does sting. But I honestly wouldn't put too much into it with regards to how Shea feels and everything. Because I think Shea's going to enjoy being the man, and he's going to enjoy uh, getting paid like the man here pretty soon for OKC. Yeah, yeah, I believe that is uh, that is hundred percent correct. And um, again, keeping Jeff Green probably makes no difference. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, OKC that doesn't get to the to the finals because I really think that Perk was the soul of the team. Um, and if that is what yeah. you what you need to do to get a guy that gives uh, the locker room a soul, you do it. And, mm-hmm. and again, I, I don't think that Javi has any hard feelings. Uh, he wanted to have maybe a greater role, and and it's all good. It's all good. Again, it's uh, it's not that he's going uh, playing in uh, in a lost country of the world. Uh, he's playing. <laughs> in the league like getting yeah. probably millions in the next contract it's all it's all good yes yes he will uh and incoming to the thunder Svi Mikhailuk uh and here's some some quotes first from Mark Degnault he said he's a guy we think can do a lot of things he's really really skilled on the offensive end of the floor not just a shooter we think that he can play inside a system and enhance his teammates and also make uh, investments in the offense, which makes everybody better. Then he said, and defensively, he gives effort. He's got really good size on the end of the floor, and he's a good system defender. He's where he's supposed to be. <laughs> good system defender is like a backhanded compliment, right? Uh, you can tell he's played in the NBA for a couple of years and excited to get to know him. Uh, <laughs> so that's Mark's take. And then James Edwards. Here's here's what James, a direct quote from James Edwards of The Athletic, who watched uh, all of Svee's games when he played for the Pistons. He's a knockdown shooter who has struggled to knock down three-point shots this year. He's tried to diversify his game, taking longer threes, threes off the dribble, and it just hasn't worked. He should flashes of playmaking, but turns the ball over sometimes. He struggles to finish at the rim because of a short wingspan. Uh, 
he has some stuff, but it hasn't come together. And I was like, okay, that's probably the most fair way to talk about Spee is that he is a shooter, but has struggled to make shots. And that's kind of who he's been for Detroit this season. Yeah, uh, I checked the, the numbers. I thought he was in the league for more than just three seasons. Um, but, I mean, in 2019-2020, he shot 40% from three on five attempts. That is something that is usually not fluky. Uh, the number of attempt is quite high. Yeah. Uh, but if the, re- the reason why he's shooting 33% now is because he's diversifying the type of shots that he's taking, this is good news. I mean... 33 sounds like terrible, but it's not, especially if the if it's on uh, maybe half a season and, again, you really change the way in which you, uh, you're shooting the basketball. Harden had like a season where he shot 32%. Yep. It's just a different kind of shots that you're taking. If that is the reason, and I have no reason to believe otherwise, then it's, uh, it's good. For OKC, I think, to have a knockdown shooter will clearly improve the spacing for Shea, which is something terrible, if you think about it. Um, <laughs> but it, again... Like it's, he's, uh, he's, Justin, he's kind of a Justin Jackson-y, right? Like I maybe think, a better shooter? Yeah, that's the, that's the issue. Yeah. That's the issue. He's yeah, I, probably I a think, better shooter. I think he'll come in and he'll probably play well. Just yeah. because this system that they have installed here in OKC helps average to below average players look better. And that's yeah. something that you can see it as the eye test. And then you talk to people that are, that are close to the operations and that's the same language they use. And so I, I think there, and this is also a good thing for like the overall future of the thunder mm-hmm. is that they want to bring in shooting and people have, often maligned the thunder for not getting shooting around guys like Russ and KD and everybody. And they're going and they're finding shooters. They're trying to find a Joe Harris type of guy. Like, because you have to remember like Joe Harris was, was nobody. He was cut by the Cleveland Cavaliers that had LeBron James on their team. Yeah. And he's just hanging out there. Sometimes you can find these guys. Uh, Duncan Robinson, that dude wasn't anybody. Yeah, they had the Heat had to find this guy, and so I like the fact that the Thunder are going out there and just nabbing guys here and there and seeing what can he be. Because if Svi is if Svi shoots thirty two percent from three the rest of the season on like wide open attempts where they're getting him everything he wants, they're like, okay, we tried it, wonderful. You know, you go find another place. You go find another. Yeah contract somewhere else and it's no big deal we already have the asset we've got the asset already in that 2027 second rounder yeah and i don't know and you get a a guy that can maybe shoot it and if he shoots it well and he's like 42 percent for the rest of the season like great he's a young young ish guy that can come in and we just we can give him probably a similar deal to what kenrich has and we just keep him around as a role player or as a potential trade candidate because if he yeah. does become a 42% three-point shooter, then he becomes valuable and they can flip him for another asset. Yeah. So to me, it's just kind of a no-brainer trade either way that Sfi works out. And you can feel, and it's okay to feel like maybe they didn't get 
enough value for Hami. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I think that's perfectly fine to feel that way. But you also have to know like Hamidou Diallo was made expendable by guys like Kenrich Williams. Yeah. 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 And, that's right. And so I wouldn't you just can't there just can't be too much hand wringing. I saw a lot of hand wringing on, <laughs> on Twitter about yeah, no, it. No, like no. you've got like you just have to like take a step back and like also understand that like there are very few players in this league that like truly matter like that will truly affect winning very very yeah. few and the thunder have one of them and maybe more maybe more than one on this roster but for sure we have they have one on yeah. the roster and that's Shay. and for sure this team is going to be getting those type of guys through the draft um let's transition so there's there's actually like a lot of really interesting thundery stuff on the web today mm-hmm. uh one of which was an article on ESPN today by Kirk Goldsberry. And he really what you'll see is a, a map of the United States that says, where are the superstars? And he has created this map that shows that a majority of the superstars are either in the New York area or in the Los Angeles area. And that's where these guys um, are are and are probably going to be. And I think probably the hardest hitting quote from this article for Thunder fans is it says, when the size of the star doesn't match the size of the market, the clock always ticks faster. And I believe, I believe that's true. Uh, and honestly, yesterday, as we had Shay stepping back on John Morant in clutch time, I think there's like three minutes left. And oh, I thought you meant Poku. <laughs> the clock is ticking on Poku. We'll talk Poku in a minute. Don't worry. <laughs> Do not worry. We will. We are going to take our time talking Poku here in a minute. But the clock started ticking. To me, when he hit that step back three on John Morant, as if there was nobody in the gym, just absolutely dismantled the Memphis Grizzlies yesterday, a, a full fledged Memphis Grizzlies. They they didn't have, obviously they don't have Jaron Jackson. They haven't had Jaron Jackson all year, but like they got justice Winslow back who played uh, a lot of minutes for them. They have pretty much all their guys and the thunder had like none of their guys. (laughs) They were missing all of their starters essentially. And it didn't matter because Shea was able to create stuff for everybody. Anyways, Uh, we'll touch more on this game altogether, but but the truth is that these stars are, most of them are similar to this, where they want to move on. And the Thunder have tried. They traded for Paul George. They couldn't keep him. They couldn't keep him yeah. around. And it was a problem. And because of this, because of, and it's worth, worth your time reading it, because it's, it's good to understand the problems that you have as a small market and the problems that you have particularly as a small market in the middle of the country like Oklahoma City, the problems that you have to face. And the, the best way to tackle it is by building through the draft, hopefully yeah. um, getting a star that felt like Russell Westbrook did or Russ wanted to stay and stick it out. Uh, but you're not, you can't just trade for a guy. like They can't go just trade for Towns or trade for Bradley Beal or trade for Zach Levine, or anybody like that, because those guys have preconceived notions about the league already. Things have already been put in place for them, and 
they may extend and say, I'm here to stay like Paul George did. And then bolt less than a year later. Yeah. So it is imperative that the Thunder continue with the plan that they have set forth. And obviously this team, especially with the, the win yesterday, are complicating what the plan is. The plan is obvious. If you don't, if you can't watch the rotations and watch what they're doing and understand the players that actually are available, if you can't put those two and two together, I can't help you. And nobody else can help you either. Because the plan is so blatant and obvious. Yeah. And you know what? All all the team and even the coaching staff, all they can do is set the course and the players do what they do. The Thunder I mean, aren't they're going, playing Moses Brown. They're playing Moses Brown. They're starting him. You can't <laughs> listen. Listen. But you can't go to them and say, hey, lose this game. They'll never do that. That'll never yeah. happen. Like and yeah. the Thunder don't do that. People misunderstand like what tanking is and it's moves made by the front office and even in this case it's moves made by the coaching staff so if you don't think that's what they're doing you you just missed it it's just flying so far above your head that you can't understand it but this is what they're doing and you know what like we joke about the too good to tank stuff we've made a t-shirt this is too good to tank like shay is getting into that territory where he possibly is too good to tank and there is some fluky stuff that happened yesterday, certainly. And we'll I will touch on that in a second. Fluky stuff. But still, like Shea is has been absolutely tremendous. And the clock is ticking on Shea. Shea is a larger star than this market is probably already. And they, yeah. it's it's good that he's on a rookie scale deal. They'll have control over his contract for probably the next six years. Um, but beyond that. If that dude wants to go to New York or if he wants to go to L.A., you can't be surprised at this point. Like, you just can't be. No, and and this is uh, one of the reasons why everything should be open uh, in the future for Shea, for everyone. Because when you when you are in contract negotiation, um, if, it, if it starts like, yeah, I'm not going to sign for five years, then everything should be on the table. Because the point is... If it's three years from now, um, or four years from now, it will be, it means that you have basically two seasons to, to build something relevant and it's not possible. And then it's it's over. So if you have five years, no clause, maybe a trade uh, kicker or something like that, uh, no, trade, no trade clause, whatever, um, but it's five years, then you have time. To build something and mm-hmm. and it's already like that shea will get a max period there is no doubt uh yeah. he'll get everything he wants um yeah. and so okc will have to face tough decisions uh during the negotiation if it if um, maybe shea goes yeah give me five i want to be here i want to mm-hmm. build something here then it's great and yep. uh, but but you're right i mean the coasts are the coasts and Either you build something extremely special, like they did in San Antonio, uh, but that was another time, or the first iteration of OKC, because, I mean, they were close. They were extremely close for so many years, and they had so much bad luck. Uh, But you need to build something like that. You you need to start winning early if Shea is is that good. 
because he will not be yeah. okay on not having a team that is competitive next year. I, I mm -hmm. believe that. So it's imperative that this year is the year of tank. And if it doesn't work, everything should be on the table. Not because Shea is not great, but because it's hard to build a super competitive team in a matter of a year. Yeah. Um, when you're, it's basically a super compressed rebuild that the OKC is doing. They went from Russ to Shea plus Chris Paul, which was winning, winning a lot, by the way. Uh, and then you need to move in a certain direction uh, and you you need to do it because, again, even if you wait for Chris Paul, it's it's not going to be enough uh, in a year. So it's it's super tricky. And, um, mm -hmm. and as you said, like getting rookies through the draft and getting the main star to to buy and plan is um, is what you need. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and back to Shea and like he is just so good. No one can guard him. So like <laughs> Dylan Brooks tried everything, yep. like including illegal stuff. Like he was not guarding him in in a, in a fair way. He was like um, grabbing his jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. Like he was doing everything that Lou Dort does on a regular basis, and it's not enough. It's yep. just too good. Um, he will if you if you stay too close, he will probably blow by. If you give him space, he will just shoot over your head, and it's just so decisive with, with, with his shot and and this is probably the greatest development that Shea had from the bubble to now is the, the drive was always there I mean he's clearly better at it but it's mm -hmm. not something completely new the the, the 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 fact that he's more strong helps him quite a lot but yep. but the fact that the the step back tree is becoming the <laughs> weapon it's been so sick like, lately. It, it seems that it's oh. there since like the beginning of times. He's so yeah. natural to him. Yeah. yeah, he misses shot, but he's shooting step back trees at probably at 35 plus percent. Yeah. And and when he's wide open, it's money. Like mm -hmm. in a matter of two seasons, he went from a guy that was barely above 30% and was afraid to rely on his three uh three-point shot to a guy that that takes five a game and and make make the defense pay on every time they went uh, they, they go under the pick or they cheat on him. Mm -hmm. This is such a transformational uh, skill that he has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the fact that he can score at every level, meaning like at the rim, mid range, and from three, especially with step back three, uh, it's it's really something. And I think that it's there's lots of debates going on around the league about who the best young point guard is. Like you got Lamelo entering the conversation, you got Trey Young, you have Ja. Uh, but I would take Shea over all those guys. <laughs> I just would. I think that he's got the scoring potential, and he's probably on the worst team of any of those guys. Mm -hmm. And he's still incredible and he's been incredibly efficient in that. Uh, and Ian Levy wrote an article that's on uh, fan-sided that is so, super interesting. Uh, and we, we talked about this a ton. We talked about his drives per game at 25.1, which is the most in the NBA. And I, the context that he puts around it is like particularly great for Thunder fans because he discusses how he... Average the 25.1 
in Russell Westbrook's MVP season, the 16-17 season, Russ only averaged 20.1 drives per game. Yeah. Uh, which is wild to think about because when you think about Russ that season, you think about him getting to the basket a ton, and obviously he took a lot of threes that season as well. But still, like he's driving more than Russell Westbrook did in his prime to the rim. Yeah, because Russ was taking so many ill-advised mid-range jumpers. <laughs> he was taking a lot of ill-advised mid-range jumpers. Uh, and he's so Shea is also shooting 55.6% off of those drives. That is uh, insane. Which that is, is crazy. That is insane. Yeah, which is like right around the same uh, percentage that Zion Williamson does yeah. when he's driving to the rim. Uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy because... The thing is, and this is, and I keep emphasizing this, because look at the guys that he's playing with. You give Shea one guy, give him one that the defense has to worry about. Because, and I know like Poku was great yesterday. The Grizzlies didn't care. The Grizzlies didn't care about anybody else on the team. And it was to their detriment yesterday, but they didn't care about anybody but Shea. And he still got whatever he wanted at the rim, at, from three, in the mid-range, as a floater, whatever he wanted. He just dissected them and got whatever he wanted. Or he just got to the free throw line. It's like, okay, all those options are closed. I'm going to the free throw line. And there's nothing you can do about it. And if you give this guy one extremely good teammate, you give him one all-star, you give him one all-NBA caliber player, you are not incredibly far from a a team that is in the playoffs every season and then a team that has like a shot to do something special. That's to me how special Shea is. So suppose that you can go back in the past and move forward to the future. You have the following options. One, you keep the same team of last year, knowing yeah. that the Rockets pick will be number six mm -hmm. you can keep gallo he will resign you can mm -hmm. keep chris paul dennis steve you can e even trade steve and get horford and mm -hmm. george hill so your mm -hmm. team is shea hill paul Scherter, dort gallo and horford yeah nice as the squad. main guys yeah um you don't have poku but and you know that the number six pick will be yours or you can go as you're going this season without knowing anything of mm -hmm. the future mm -hmm. what do you do i still want this i still want what we have because there's but a you there's... just said that if you give shay another all nba guy uh-huh he could be in the future in the future though because like if just like i worry about the sun like i worry about the suns a little bit mm -hmm. because when Chris Paul, when this contract is done and maybe Chris Paul wants to go play with LeBron or whatever he wants to do, like, mm -hmm. like, th then what are you exactly? Because you're not going to have great players or draft picks to put around them. I worry about DeAndre Ayton. Like DeAndre Ayton's probably going to get a max deal on his next contract and mm -hmm. he probably won't be worth that. So that concerns me quite a bit for them. I don't know. Like, just give me a shot to get another All NBA player that's on a rookie scale deal. Like, just give me a sh give me a shot at it. Maybe you fail, 
Maybe maybe you failed just and not even that you fall out of the top five. Maybe you failed because you picked the wrong guy in the top five. Like that's a that's something that could definitely happen. Mm-hmm. So, but still, like give me that chance. Give me the chance to go on another eight to ten year run because that is what was so fun about that last Thunder team is that you had a chance every single year to do something special. And they went to the conference finals a bunch and they got to the finals once and they almost did it again in 2016. And those are the moments that um, really make a fan base. And uh, could they go on a run with this? Like, could this, could the Thunder be what the Suns are today? Probably. Mm -hmm. They probably could. They could probably be that team that's sitting at the second seed with the Lakers losing Anthony Davis, with the Clippers, you know, not really caring about the regular season. Certainly. They could be that. And to those of you who don't think that this is like a, a tanking move by the Thunder, like they they could have a team that is talked about as in title contention because this is a weird year. Yeah. And that could have happened. But I do think that the course that they're setting is ultimately geared toward long-term sustained success. And that's something that Thunder want. That's something that they are pushing toward. And I think if you have, you give yourself a chance to get six and eight or even six and four or something like that, a combination of those two, you're giving yourself a better chance. Um, No, I I completely agree. My only point is that, you know, that by by being able to go to the past is that Shea is that good and that your rebuild, I'm sure, I'm 100% sure no one believed that OKC could be a 17 and 22 after nine games. Nobody. Yeah. And if you know that, it means that your picks are probably not the ones that get you where you want to be. Or it's I, it's, po- you it's possible. Luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you need it's to possible. Start. Yes, yeah. it's possible. It's you have you're gonna you need luck, and also there's still a lot of basketball to be played. It's true. and and we'll talk more about that and talk more about Poku uh, right after this break. First, we'll go to the stream. Let's say hello to everyone who's joined us. We have Lawrence from Boston. We have Swaggy F from Florida. We have Daniel from California. We have Fluky from Germany. We have Mr. Parka from Washington. We have Josh in Virginia. Uh, let's see. The traveling teacher from Ethiopia checking in. Daniel from Mexico. Uh, Tom from Jackson, Missouri. Thanks for joining. Uh, you guys You guys are great. Thanks for joining in. If you want to be mentioned on this and you don't know how, go subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, and you too can be mentioned on the pod. We have Brett in Seattle, Christos from Greece. We have John in Tulsa. We have Alec from Virginia, Kevin in Albuquerque, no limit in Virginia, Yoni in Israel. Uh, We have Chaz from Anchorage, Australia. We have James Anderson joining in as always. Thanks for joining. Uh, Really, really appreciate you guys um, and hope that you're doing well. Hope you're doing well during these, uh, kind of strange and uncertain times uh but uh we're we're all in this together we've got uh rose from lexington morgan from georgia michael in new zealand uh ronan from argentina phil 
from France. Thanks for joining. You guys are the best. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. It's time to talk about Poku. Holy moly, did Poku just emerge. He's rising from the ashes like a phoenix from the G League bubble. He is looking like a real player, which he looked like he was kind of beaten down before he went to the bubble. And I worried that, oh, no, like maybe he goes to the bubble and maybe he doesn't play well. Maybe things just continue to kind of just crater and like what's the inverse of snowballing? I don't know what that is. Whatever that is, I feared that. Right, I don't know what you mean, but like a, like a snowball, like it snowballs and it gathers momentum and it gets bigger and yeah, bigger yeah. and bigger. An Let's avalanche, yeah, like the in, opposite, the opposite yeah. of an avalanche. Yes, the opposite of an avalanche, where just nothing happens, just nothing. It's just sitting there, just snow sitting exactly. on the ground. I feared that, but no, he gained confidence and he came back, and he was awesome yeah. yesterday. He was the number two guy on this team. <laughs> Setting screens for Shea, popping, rolling, doing everything. He hit five of eight from three. He had four assists. He had 10 boards, only three turnovers, a block and a steal. Only one personal foul in almost 40 minutes, 23 points. He was so, so good. And StatMuse put out a stat about, about our guy Poku, which was just crazy. He's the youngest player in NBA history. With 20, 10, and five threes in a game. He did it at 19 years old. Uh, they also they published the full list of these guys. And there are some that make you get really excited. And then there are some names in here that just make you think like, oh, maybe it's that. Uh, hopefully it's not. But like the list includes guys that will make you excited. Kevin Durant, LeBron James. Uh, Luka Doncic did this like a billion times his rookie season. Jamal Mash Ferguson. Oh, no. Jamal Mash no. <laughs> Jamal Mashburn, Danilo Gallinari, Antoine Walker, Paul Pierce. They all did it. And then there's the guys that make you feel a little bit less encouraged. Uh Dennis Smith Jr. did this his rookie season. Yeah. Uh uh Larry Markinen did this, I think, three times his rookie yeah. season. Uh Keldon Johnson did it. Like maybe that's encouraging. Uh yeah. Juan- Juancho Hernan Gomez did this for the Nuggets. Uh, yeah. And then, and then the one that scares me the most, the one that just makes me just cringe, is Yi Jianlian did this, uh, his rookie season uh, for the New Jersey Nets, and I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I don't like that that happened. I didn't like reading that name, but let's forget about that. Let's let's just even forget that I said it, because Poku looked great yesterday, and not only that, Poku got a girlfriend. I don't know if y'all saw. On Instagram, he has this just spectacular game. 
and then he just like posts like the ultimate brag afterwards on Instagram and he's out to dinner with his girlfriend. Oh, I loved it. It was a great, great day for Poku. It was a great day for Thunder fans. It was just overall, I just cannot imagine a, a better day for, for all of us. Yeah. And the names that you mentioned are, uh, of course, uh, a mix because a game can be anything. But to be honest with you, um, uh, I think that if you look at the three games after the, the GD, which is again an extremely um, small sample size, so mm-hmm. you cannot project anything, but you can analyze what happened. I think that in um, the first game uh, was good. The second one was bad in terms of shooting, but not in terms of uh, shooting selection. Uh, and 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 also the other the other parts of the game. I thought he defended pretty well. Um, yep. He moved around the court pretty well. The only thing that I still don't like about what he's doing is that what way too often he decides to stay like as the last man, like closer to the three point to the um, uh, mid court, yep. um, like waiting for the ball just to 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 use his dribble. I don't like that i don't understand that i don't know why he's doing it mm-hmm. uh, i really like him when he goes directly into a screening action and and goes uh either relocates and moves around uh, maybe it's something that he's learning uh because when he played for olympia cause he was just basically the man he was handling everything doing everything uh yeah. and probably he approached the nba a little bit like that mm-hmm. um but now he's becoming more conscious about the fact that there, he is not the most skilled player on the court. He's not the player who initiates everything. Yep. He has his spots. He can play. He is pick and roll with Moses Brown. He can try to, to, to do a pull-up after two, three dribbles. That Those are, are stuff that he's allowed to do. And he's trying to get better shots, which will translate in better percentage. Because if you look at the way in which he shot, he shoot the basketball, to me... There's no mistake. He will be a good shooter uh, one day um, because the touch is too good. If you look at the wrist, the way in which he closes the shot, those are good. I mean, the only real issue with the shot is that the ball starts way too low and probably he needs to... To put to to take the ball a little bit higher with his hands before the shooting before the yeah. release, but that is something that you can work uh, with, with a summer of time and an, an NBA stuff there for you. So I have no doubt, and and the fact that he's processing the game uh, better uh, as the as the time goes on, to me it's all good news. I don't know how many twenty three point games we'll have from now to the end of the season, but if he plays that way, I think he will be very useful. Yeah, I I love the confidence that he shows. And when he shows confidence in his shooting and doesn't think about it and it's just catch and shoot, yeah, he's money. He's a yeah. really like he's a good shooter. And he showed that yeah. yesterday a few times. Uh, and he just showed some versatility as well. And a guy at his size that really is a wing uh, that can do all that he can do is rare. Like it's it's extremely rare. So uh it's it's very exciting uh to see what he can do on the court and yesterday was a a huge a huge step in the right direction for poku and i am hopeful i don't know that he will but i'm hopeful that they will continue to find a way to start him 
because it's very clear after watching him that he plays better when he's playing off of a guy like Shea. And he complimented him very, very well yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he will, but I really hope that they just let him start next to Shea. And even, I mean, you can still start Horford, Baisley. I mean, I would encourage them to start Horford, Baisley, Poku, Dort, and Shea. Yeah. And bring Maladon off the bench. And I think Maladon does play better with better players too. I think he plays well off the ball, but I would rather stretch his game in the right direction and that like you're a backup point guard, you're going to run the offense, that's what you're going to do with the bench, and then Poku, you're going to come in and you're going to be our our wing. You're going to be our three. I would rather that, honestly. Yeah, and Maladon has his fair share of starting uh, yeah. minutes. So. Yeah. As they can, yeah, think, as they continue to explore the roster, right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're just making explorations with these guys. We're just exploring, yeah. seeing what happens, and you know, it's it's just. I think that's something they should do. And then uh, as they explore this roster more, it just it's becoming increasingly clear that they just want to play young guys, and that's how mm-hmm. they want to handle this. I mean, Mike Muscala played twelve minutes yesterday, and that was just out of necessity because you didn't have anybody else to play that's it but you could easily argue that mike muscala is better than darius miller or isaiah roby Uh, maybe he's not better than kenrich williams but it's not like incredibly different as like caliber of a player uh he's certainly better than moses brown as a player moses had some moments but like he's he's better than him like he should have started that game (laughs) like if you were trying to win that game and those are the players you have available Mike Muscala probably plays 30 minutes exactly. in that game yeah. and spreads the floor and helps you. Uh, it's just it's just so evident what they want to do. And I'm just, I'm so curious. Uh, we're a week and change away from the trade deadline. And the Thunder are going to be making some moves. Uh, George Hill is the obvious one. We have Sham Sharania and Sam Amick reporting about that already that he's I mean, he's on their list of guys. But I would not be surprised to see other Thunder players in talks. I would not be surprised to see other Thunder players dealt. Uh, yeah. Really, I mean, really Shea and Poku and Dort uh, are probably the ones that you just probably don't touch them this trade deadline mm-hmm. unless something crazy comes about, which I don't think you're getting anything crazy for any of those guys but Shea, and I just don't think that's on the table whatsoever right now, but... Uh, everybody else, I think, is out there. And there's yeah. a there's an asking price for everybody. There was an asking price for Hamadou Diallo, and the Pistons met it. And they said, thank you, Hami. And it was over. And I yeah. think, you know, I, I think that that will be the same for everybody else on this roster. I completely agree. And I would also stretch to, to Dort. If someone calls for Dort, you yeah. have to listen. If the Suns want him just because, I don't know, they don't have enough defenders, I don't think the Suns are a good fit. Uh, it's just a team that has assets because mm-hmm. the Lakers don't, the Clippers don't. Mm-hmm. The Jazz probably is not the team. Maybe Denver. If Denver asks like, and, and gives you an unprotected first, yeah, you have to think. 
maybe yeah. not this year, in 2023, 2024, uh, top five protected pick, you may mm-hmm. want to do it. Mm-hmm. Because again, everyone has uh, a price tag. And if the price is met, you need to consider it. I'm not saying you do go ahead and and and, and do the trade, but you you would do a disservice to the franchise if you don't listen. Uh, because as much as Dort is a great defender um, and probably will develop into a quality starter, if you get a good first, the likelihood of getting that player in two years is quite high. Yeah. So it's just a matter of the plan and what's the read on on him do do you trust him to be part of the of a of a certain team for the long run is he a guy that wants different things like you need to consider everything you don't want to have reggie jackson like cases in okc Mm -hmm. Uh, you really need to avoid that because i mean reggie if you trade him the year before the the contract extension Maybe like during the summer, if someone asks, because he's he's shown that he can be an impactful player during the playoffs, and you have the read that he wants his team, then do it. Yep. Like it's uh, it's what you should do. Um, I mean, I mean, Dort Dort is not there, but he has a very good contract, and he does. And so, yeah, I love Dort. I don't think I I I don't think I would do the. It would have to be a very good first from a team that is volatile for me to say yes. Phoenix, if Phoenix wanted him and they gave you a top three protected pick in like 2026 or something like that, right, what's, what pick did they have next year's pick for, yeah. for the Suns? If they offer something like that, then I'd be like, man, that team is volatile. Like that could be yeah. the that could be the fifth pick in the draft. That's when I'm like, okay, sure. Um, I, th- I think Denver's just going to stay competent. Like they have good management, they have good, they they've got Jokic locked up, and I feel like he's going to be around yeah. for a while. Um, it'd have to be the right situation. Um, over, I, I probably just, I don't know, I probably say no to most of those deals. But you're right, like they have to listen, and I don't, and I don't take this as, hey, the Thunder are calling every team about Dort. Like no, they're, no. they are ta- they are taking, they will take any call. I mean, no exactly. doubt about it. That's and the it's, point. And that's, what, and that's what's happening, is that the league knows that the Thunder are one of the few sellers at the deadline, and they're getting calls about tons of guys right now. And they're they're going to be accepting calls, and you're going to hear a lot. Like I, like part of the report today on Shams on, on The Athletic, which you can go get for $3.99 a month at theathletic.com slash down to dunk, uh, worth the read. Yeah, he talks about how like the Thunder are comfortable with keeping George Hill uh, the rest of the season. And I believe that's true. I do believe that's true, but I also think like it's extreme posturing by the thunder, you know, I mean, the thunder said that they were okay with carrying Chris Paul into this season. Oh yeah, of course. You know? Um, So there's just a lot of maneuvering and stuff like that. Um, that's going to be happening. But anyway, it should be interesting. Should be uh, a fun, fun couple weeks for the Thunder. Make sure that you're subscribed uh, to our YouTube page. Make sure that you also go check us out on Instagram. Uh, make sure that you follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. Hope you guys have a good rest of your Monday. And we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. <laughs>